Good morning again. Our second scripture reading comes to us from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 to 13. And as you listen today, I want to challenge you to try and count how many times the word Gentiles is used in this reading. Let's see if you can. Let's listen for God's word to you today and count along if you can. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And for whatever was written in former days was written for your instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the ancestors and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may be bound so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's also a mouthful. It's great to be with you today on this second Sunday in the season of Advent on this kind of wet and rainy weekend here in Los Gatos. I want to say hi again to everyone at home worshiping online with us and those listening to this as a sermon podcast later in the week. So let me hear how many times was Gentiles used? Six, you got it right. Good job. Six different times. And you know, in the Bible, when something shows up again and again, it's a clue for us. Something is important is being said. There's a reason that it's being used so many times. The word Gentile in English basically means someone who is not Jewish, right? So most of us here would probably qualify in that sense of not Jewish. But the Greek word that is used for Gentile here in the New Testament of the Bible, the word is ethne, ethne like where we get the word ethnicity or ethnic food, ethne. And in the Bible, this word has to do with the nations, the nations of the world, the peoples, the cultures, the tribes, all sorts of different folks who are out there in the world. And Paul is writing here in this letter to the church in Rome, and the passage gives us some clues to what that church, the church in Rome, was like. Unlike the church back in Jerusalem, the home church, where everyone was basically Jewish Christians, in Rome, almost everybody was some kind of Gentile, kind of like us. They represent all the nations and backgrounds that made up the Roman Empire. So the big question that people in that church had, people who gathered together in the Roman church, they had this question, do we really belong? Is this a place for us? Are we fully accepted, even with our background and who we are, are we accepted in this place? And that's a basic question that, that a lot of people have 
when it comes to living out our Christian life. We all need a community of believers, people to walk with us, to encourage us, to challenge us, to love us, and to help us love others. Did you know that here at PCLG, here in our congregation, we have people who come from 25 different countries of origin? Did you know that? 25 different countries around the world who have come uh, to the U.S. and come to be part of our church. We have people from all over the country, all kinds of states. On the way in, we were talking college football, and there's a lot of loyalties to where you come from with college football. And we're from all around this local area, too, but we all gather together in this essential unity in Jesus Christ. The Bible says Gentiles. That's the word it uses, but it means the ethne, the peoples, all the cultures and peoples of the world. And this passage highlights for us God's intention and desire that all the nations, all kinds of people, would be gathered together and find their home in the household of God. So this isn't an accident. The, the scripture isn't saying, well, if it happens, it happens. We'll see how it goes. But from what Paul writes to the Romans, he, says that he talks again and again about the Gentiles, the ethne, and how they belong. God's intention is that they would all be brought together to get to know the good news and the hope that Christ brings. Christ brings hope for all kinds of people, even us. So Paul is writing to this mixed community of believers, people from different backgrounds, and he's teaching them how to live together in faith. That's the teaching that he's giving them. And there's this principle that he gives, which is really important for us. It's helpful for us. This is what he says. We who are strong ought to put up with the struggles of those who are weak. We who are strong ought to put up with the struggles with those who are weak. In that Roman church, it seems, just like in ours, there were people with different kinds of life circumstances. People had different situations in their lives. Some were strong, maybe physically, in their physical health, doing great. Some were financially strong. Some were, were spiritually strong. Maybe they were strong in their relationships and in their, um, in their life situation. Maybe they were strong in their education level. I wonder where you're strong in your life. What is your strength? What's a place of strength for you? And then Paul says, those who are strong, we who are strong, put up with, bear with, deal with the things that are going on for those who are weaker, less strong, less secure, not as able. Put up with it. Deal with it. You who are strong, this is the word to you. So that's... Paul's, part of Paul's basic gospel message is put up with each other because Christ has put up with you. Put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> it's kind of If you're waiting in traffic and you saw that, and you're like, all right, I'll take it. So the Roman church, it was this mixed group, it, and we, we see in the text that there's also newer believers there. There are new believers, people who are not yet strong in their faith. So they were, some of them in that church were, were established in their careers, in their marriages, where they had reached, reached milestones, like the 50-year mark that some people just reached here. They were on track to graduate with honors. They were out there training to run marathons. They were strong. But then others were not that way, or they didn't feel that way, or they weren't sure where they stood. One of the characteristics of our life together here in our church at PCLG, something that we talk about a lot with our new members and when people join us and come in, is the way that we are a big tent church and we have people in our congregation from all kinds of backgrounds. That's part of our identity. That's part of, it's a characteristic of our congregation. 
So people down the pew from you on a Sunday-by-Sunday basis will certainly have different political views, different uh, outlook on life, will certainly have a different background or, or family situation from you. And in order to sit in these pews, and in order to be a part of it, in order to find our place, we have to be okay with what's going on in the person down the row. We have to be okay with the differences that we experience because we have essential unity in Christ. We then are able to be broad down the row and back, up in front of you a little bit and behind. Paul says, when you are in a strong position, put up with the weak. It's not always easy to do. You know how sometimes in your life there's a person who's kind of like not pulling their weight, maybe at work or in school on a project? I don't, I don't want to be that person, but maybe I was sometimes. Somebody who's sort of like that kid at school who's annoying you sometimes, like, oh, that guy's here. Or the family member whose life problems can never seem to be fully solved. But that is what God's family looks like. That's what it's like. In his writings on Advent, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has something to say about this. He was a Protestant pastor in Germany in the 1930s and 40s, and many of you know Bonhoeffer was um, killed for his... Um, he lost his life because he was going against the Nazis and Hitler. He was imprisoned and he was ultimately killed. And so this is what he writes just about, um, about this idea. He writes, quote, God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. God has a special heart for those who are weak or challenged or different or seen as less than in some way in the eyes of this world. Jesus Christ himself was considered weak and lowly and scorned in this life. That's his story. And yet, God used him mightily. Though he was down, God raised him up. And it's in Christ that we find our new life. Through the sufferings of a weak one, we become strong. That's the Christian message. I've been reading a book this week by a New York Times writer, a columnist, David Brooks, that came out a few years ago. It's called The Road to Character. Have any of you read that book, The Road to Character? And in it, he profiles different people from different walks of life. And he explores how they came to be folks who had a deeply formed character. How did they get to be a somebody who you could count on, you could rely on, you knew that they were trying to do the right thing? And one of his chapters is about Frances Perkins. She was a labor activist in the 1930s. She was a part of the Roosevelt administration in the 1930s and 40s. And she was thinking about kind of a mental framework. She was trying to do good, right, in the world. She was thinking about a mental framework um, for giving or helping or serving uh, those in need in some way. And this is what uh, David Brooks writes uh, about her thought process. He says, when a person gives a poor man shoes, does he do it for the poor man or for God? He should do it for God. She decided, Frances Perkins decided, the poor will also often be ungrateful, or, and you will lose heart if you rely on immediate emotional rewards for your work. But if you do it for God, you will never get discouraged. A person with a deep vocation is not dependent on constant positive reinforcement. The job doesn't have to pay off every month or every year. The person thus called is performing a task because it is intrinsically good 
not for what it produces. So this is a higher level way of thinking about what Paul is talking about. He isn't saying help or love or serve those who are poor or hurting or weak because you will get something out of it. He doesn't say that. You know, serve others that you maybe get a bunch of rewards. Or because they're going to be grateful or glad. Chances are they may not be. Do it because it is your calling. Do it because it's the thing God made you to do. Do it because it is the right thing. So let me bring this back down. That's kind of a higher level. Let's bring it back down to where we can, we can get it. I want to give you an analogy about cats. Okay. Now many, of you know, now, many of you know my thoughts about cats. Some of you in the front row are cat ladies, in fact. Um, my family once outvoted me three to one, and that's how we got the cats. I lost the vote. Okay. So you know how cats can be. I now know how cats can be because they're in my house. They like to get into everything. They like to mess everything up. Every time I turn around, the cats are climbing somewhere they shouldn't, like on my dresser, scraping me with their claws, running out the door into the rain at the first chance they get. This is the nature of cats. They want to get into anything that they can. They love to go where they shouldn't go, and they like to be underfoot. I saw this picture on um, Facebook the other day. I'll show it to you. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> it's the nature of cats on display. They like to go where they shouldn't go. They like to be somewhere that they shouldn't be. And sometimes there are people in our lives who are like cats. Sometimes, and no disrespect if you are a cat person, just follow the analogy. Sometimes there are people, maybe they're in our families or at work or in school or in our neighborhood or here in our church who just want to climb up on the Christmas tree and just want to get in the way or get in the mix where we don't jive with them, where they don't understand our lives and we don't understand theirs. What are their motivations? What is up with them? Maybe you can think of a person like that in your life. Who would it be? Don't name them out loud. <laughs> but tell me later. Maybe somebody who kind of set you off this week, you know, where you kind of missed each other, you weren't on the same page, where you kind of feel like they got to the very edge of your patience. Can you think of that person, a person, not a cat, but a person, somebody who you just don't quite know how to deal with? Do you, can you think of somebody like that? And then hear this. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak. Each of us must serve our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. It is these people that Christ has put in our lives. It is these people that Christ came to bring hope. So our response, our way of life, is meant to be this faithful response to the calling we have. Faithful to bringing the love of Christ into every interaction. And I know that as we go further into the month of December and the season of Advent, that there will be uh, plenty of times where your patience may be tested. I'll bet it's going to happen as we go further towards Christmas, where you are tempted to blow somebody up or write them off or be totally exasperated with their life situation, the thing they've gotten themselves into. And here is the message of the gospel for us today. Christ didn't come to those whose lives are already put together. He didn't come to those who are doing just fine, thank you very much. He didn't come to, to, to do that work. He came for those who have a need. And the people that you're thinking of, that person who you, you say, oh my gosh, this guy, this lady, that's who Christ came for. That's why Christ sent you into their life too. 
And so I just want to encourage you this week as you go out to do all the stuff that you've got to do to go with them knowing that, that Christ is with you, that Christ came for you too to strengthen you and encourage you as you go out to interact with all those cats in your life. Go filled with the hope that God has given you to see how God's desire is to reach all those people. The word is Gentiles or ethne, but it really means all kinds of people, and that's the work of Christ. So I want to just close by reminding you of these famous words that you've heard before from Mother Teresa. She's now known as St. Teresa of Calcutta. Listen. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind to people, if you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten, but do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. As we prepare for the coming of Christ at Christmas this year, may we prepare our hearts to receive him, to worship and sing and pray and meet together. But may we also prepare our hearts to receive him in how we treat, think about, and speak to those in our lives who are tough or challenging to deal with. A life with Christ cannot be lived out alone. It takes others. It takes all kinds. And we thank God that we've been called together into a place of welcome, of forgiveness, and of grace. May it be so for you today. Amen.